It welcomed me every day, enveloping me in the heavenly clouds of comfort. My lazy boy recliner had been given to me. It was a bit tattered and a bit discolored, but none of that mattered after a 12-hour day of waiting tables. There was absolutely nothing better than starting a fire, having a fresh, hot cup of cocoa, and reading a book on my lazy boy recliner. As I was in a state of opulent contentment, I first felt a disturbance at my feet. Then my book was violently nudged from my hand as I beheld a gigantic, slobbery head. I had a bulldog named Diesel. He was the perfect juxtaposition of being sweet and bad. Often when I was reading, Diesel would ascend on the foot of my recliner and make his way up to demand and receive love. I never really understood my father until I got to that lazy boy recliner and Diesel, the bulldog. Whenever I would enter into the sucker of comfort, I would invariably hear a loud crash emanating from the kitchen. It was when I had to disturb my comfort and behold the massive mess that Diesel had created. I finally understood the disgruntlement of my father when I was misbehaving as a child. Diesel was easy to love when he was being sweet, looking at me with those big, beautiful brown eyes and snuggling up with me. He was not as easy to love when he was stealing my pillow, eating my belts and my shoes, and creating messes that were apocalyptic in nature. But despite these moments of discontentment, I loved that dog very, very much. Today, we are greeted with an exhortation from our Lord to keep the love of God continually on our minds, on our lips, and on our hearts. In many regards, this week's message is a continuation of last week's message. The scene is set for another round of debates, which seems appropriate given that earlier this week, just down the street from the campus of St. Bartholomew's, there was another debate. As the narrative unfolds this week, the Pharisees asked Jesus, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus responds, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This response is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and is known as the Shema. These words would have been fresh on the mind, lips, and hearts of everyone that was present as the Shema was quoted daily by practicing Jews. Jesus follows up the Shema with, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now this is a rephrasing of the 19th chapter of Leviticus, which in part states, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. 
This passage from Leviticus was also well known to the Pharisees, and they would have been familiar with the entirety of this particular passage. This juxtaposition betwixt the Shema and Leviticus chapter 19 is what grabbed me as I was composing this homily. The words of Jesus, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, is preceded in the quoted Leviticus antidote. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people. The target audience in this passage would have recognized the significance of this particular nuance. As Jesus is melding these two biblical passages, we as Christians are reminded of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In order to be consumed by the love of God, a love that transforms, a love that gets into the very pores of your soul, we must not bear grudges or have vengeance upon our minds, our lips, and our hearts. Upon providing this distinct nuance, Jesus tells the Pharisees the entirety of Holy Writ, the law, and the prophets is dependent upon these two commandments. As I contemplated the distinct nuances our Lord graciously provided to us in our gospel lesson today, I was led to a narrative provided in Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 39. This account in the Gospel of St. Luke is set around a table wherein a Pharisee had invited Jesus to have table fellowship. Jesus entered the house and took a seat. Now this might not seem so scandalous. However, as this narrative plays out, this distinction of Jesus just walking in and taking his place at the table was in fact scandalous. The Pharisee was taken aback that Jesus did not wash his hands before sitting down, as this was an act that was in violation of the religious norms of the day. The religious norms was to wash your hands as symbolic of a religious obligation. This norm was in the name of purity and understood to be by divine mandate by the God of the universe. It is important to note in this narrative that Jesus did not change his ways, nor did the Pharisee change his expectation. The Pharisee was taken aback and expressed surprise. Despite their difference in opinion and practice, both Jesus and the Pharisee had something in common. For them, their devotion to their ways of life was approached in a profound and serious manner. The Pharisee every day would dedicate eight hours to studying the law of God. They would spend another eight hours working to provide sustenance for their family, and another eight hours dedicated to rest. It must be noted the Pharisees were genuinely dedicated to their duties, and as a result, they were seen as highly revered and highly respected. Historian James Kiefer notes, perhaps because of this, 
In spite of the fact of being very diverse, both Jesus and the Pharisee understood and criticized one another without losing the possibility of dialogue. It is important to remember this distinction. If we are to love our neighbors, we must be cognizant of a path forward without losing the possibility of dialogue. In my short time here at St. Bartholomew's, I have observed that we are not a monolithic community. I believe this is one of our greatest strengths. Although at times this diversity of thought and opinion may be fraught with many difficulties, it is imperative that we remember the way of our Lord. During this season, we here at St. Bartholomew's has been called to be a city on a hill, a light in the midst of darkness. Today I am grateful for the example of Jesus showing us it is possible to have disagreements in a loving and civil manner. This morning, I invite you to participate in this way of love, gathered in a moment of unity around the holy table of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we approach this morning to participate in this divine feast, I ask that you have these words on your mind, on your lips, and on your heart. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen.